Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be too new to be the host for this fun discussion show on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Wednesday features a new show, Circle of Nature, with none other than Selena Fox. Tune in to this show. First episode is on November 23rd. The third Fridays of each month feature Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-restorational, eco-activism, and eco-spirituality podcast. We have such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and we here at CSNP hope that you try them all. Celebrate the December full moon online with the Circle Sanctuary community. This, the theme coming up is Yuletide Spirit, p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Pacific, and 1 p.m. the next day UTC. The rituals are completely online, and our full moon circles include invocations, music, meditation, poetry, reflections, and ritual workings. They are facilitated by Selena Fox and other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those joining us online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during their ritual and are invited to interact with others on chat on YouTube. Attendance is free and no registration is required. For more information, please go to the website, www.circlesanctuary.org. Would you like to learn how to boost your psychic ability and incorporate the greater mysteries of magic into your practice, then you're in luck. Because in a moment, we're going to be talking with author Matt Oren about his new book, Mastering Magic, which is a companion book to his international bestseller, Psychic Witch. Mastering Magic includes over 60 spells, including more than a dozen from other well-known witches and practitioners, including Chris Penzak, Storm, uh, Storm Fairy Wolf, and Devin Hunter, and others. So stay tuned as we learn how to cast magic to bridge the divide between the seen and unseen worlds to become psychic witches. Matt Oren is a witch, professional psychic, occult teacher. He is also the multi-award-winning author of international best-selling book, Psychic Witch. He is a high priest in the sacred fires tradition of witchcraft. He runs the blog for the Modern Witch University, and has a column in Witches and Pagans magazine called Extra Century Witchcraft. He has been featured in various magazines, radio shows, podcasts, and books, and other periodicals. To find out more about him and his work, visit his website at www.mattorin.com, which is M-A-T-A-U-R-Y-N, or follow him on Instagram at Matt Oren. Welcome, Matt, to Circle Talk. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me on. So, 
So your book is new. It just came out in October. Yeah, it's still a baby. Oh, it was. It's excellent. I was given a copy and read it, and I, I loved it. It was really, really good. What was your inspiration? Because uh, this is your second book, correct? What was your inspiration to start writing? Have you just always written? Um, you know, I started writing um, just on my own website. And then um, Jason Minky, uh, who was running Papias Pagan at the time, was like, hey, come, come write for us. I like your work. So um, I started writing for them. And then I got Llewellyn's attention. And um, someone from Llewellyn eventually was like, Matt, we've been waiting for a proposal. When are you going to do it? Um, so I was like, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. So um, I just thought, like, what would be the book that I wish I had growing up? And it ended up being Psychic Witch. That is really, really cool. So, and again, Psychic Witch has been a bestseller. It's an excellent book. What was your inspiration for this book? So this book is sort of, it's like the companion. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to call them siblings. Um, If you look at them, they're inverted. So Psychic Witch is white on black, and this is black on white. um, Mm -hmm. Because I see them as sort of opposites, but complementary. And a lot of that has to deal with um, Psychic Witch was all about how to activate all of your clairs, all your clair senses, how mm-hmm. to work with energy, so, um, to do magic with your mind, essentially, and empower your spells. So this book is the other side of the coin. It's how to do magic, um, but all the spells are aimed in one way or another at helping you awaken those psychic abilities. So the two mm-hmm. kinds of work hand in hand to create a circuit of empowering that um, that energy perception and manipulation and then using that to keep enhancing it. Yeah. Something else I really liked about your book, it was very personal. You tell very personal stories um, that gives the reader a sense of where you've been, where you're coming from, where you're going. Uh, you found witchcraft um, pretty early in life, didn't you? Yes, yes. I was a silver raven wolf kid. Um, I, I, um, my first book was, um, I believe it was to write a silver broomstick. Uh-huh. Um, it may have been. I remember that. Yes, because I think that's the first of that series. And then right. I tried to get my hands on all of her books I could. And then uh, Scott Cunningham was the other. Um, but mm-hmm. silver was my my introduction, my gateway into this world. Yeah, and you, you tell um, a really um, nice story about you found and you were new and didn't have a lot of money, but you found people to talk to, and it, it really helped you grow in this path. Yeah, yeah. That was a little bit later, even though I start the book mm-hmm. with that as the introduction before I start the book and tell my story mm-hmm. how I found it. Um, Because when I found witchcraft, I was living with my grandparents um, because I was Mm -hmm. a foster care kid. But by the Mm -hmm. time I was going to the local occult shop, I was living with my uncle um, in Southern California. And Mm -hmm. I used to take the buses down there and I used to just, you know, bug the shit out of the people uh, running the store and ask them Mm -hmm. a bunch of questions. And, you know, I'd buy what I could, like tumbled rocks and 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe cheap incense. But yeah, I, I um, slowly started kind of understanding more and more uh, from that. And I don't know, I've just always, since I first, that first Silver Ravenel's book, I've always had this thirst to know more and to learn more and experience more when it comes to, you know, occultism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. That's why um, uh, uh, my partner and I, Ron, when we travel, we try to go to little independent occult and um, stores and buy something to keep them there because, you know, so many people buy things online, but you don't get the community and, and the type of things you get with those little stores. And so uh, I know in my local area we have lost several. So, so yeah, so that's great that you lived at a time where you could go to one. Absolutely. And um, pretty much my whole life I've worked at some sort of metaphysical shop. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's not my whole career path, but it is a big chunk of it because um, that's where I would always apply. So whether I was just like a worker or someone that was there as a psychic reader or a tarot reader or management, um, it, it really helps you understand who the community is, who the actual people are that are, you know, coming in and buying and practicing. Mm-hmm. Well, your book is um, very well laid out. I'll tell the listeners that it it gives you information, um, and then you give um, exercises and spells and prayers and things that you can do to incorporate the information that you gave, which was which was really really nice. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I think that's just how my teaching style has always been. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very big on, you know, um, as one of my my mentors used to say, which is don't believe they know. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm very big on not just, you know, this isn't just like a concept, but let's see it in action. Let's experience it so that we can learn whether it's true or not for us. And I like how you start with the basics you know, grounding, centering, um, things that people kind of, you know, don't want to take the time to do. They want to jump into magic. But those things, as you point out, are really building blocks to what comes later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a psychic witch focused more on that, more on, you know, mm-hmm. these are the crucial things to be able to perceive and manipulate energy. And grounding and centering, I strongly believe, are sort of those fundamental practices that need to always be revisited and always engaged in because I, yeah, I yeah, I've known many people um, on this path of various ages and um, I think it was Raven Grimasi who said to me um, you know that wisdom comes with age but there sure are a lot of old fools out there and um, you know I've seen people who burn themselves out they they essentially fry. Um, there's a concept called magical impact um, mm-hmm. that's using the magical community, which is like when you're using too much energy improperly, something kind of snaps mm-hmm. in you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this a lot more um, in the new age community versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, because in witchcraft we're, we're fairly good on training. Um, mm-hmm. you know, people that work in our traditions and stuff of that nature. But, um, yeah, it's something that, like, 
a lot of modern books I see kind of neglect, so I wanted to bring a focus back on that. Yeah, and again, I think it's um, it's, um, it's basic, like visualization. There are just there's things that you have to, you know, you have to learn your alphabet before you learn to read. So, exactly. uh, and once you, and and it's funny because um, when I teach a class and you know I have a a workshop that I've done called. Um, you know, routine spiritual practice. I laugh. My daily spiritual practice is about three times a week. And, uh, again, I will start with grounding, centering meditations. And some people are, are disappointed. They're like, you know, they want to, I don't know, levitate. They want to do eye magic. And I'm <laughs> like, no, if you can't do these things, then the other things won't come. And right. you have to learn to be able, you know, you know, to take care of yourself. So, so yeah, so I really uh, appreciate that. And you do something else that's really interesting in this book that you talk about um, folks who might have difficulty with things like being able to visualize. Yes. Talk a little bit about Um, that. So Psychic Witch was really well received by the public and I'm super grateful for that. Um, Way more than I expected. But one of the biggest feedbacks I got from readers were from people who have aphantasia which is the inability to form images in one's mind uh, on command or from people who have ADHD. So mm-hmm. as, as someone who uh, teaches, uh, whether that's through books or, you know, in-person teaching, mm-hmm. um, that was a problem for me. You know, if I, I'm very big on inclusion. You know, I, I want mm-hmm. everyone to be included because I do believe that these things are a human birthright so everyone can engage in it. So what I did was I gathered some friends that are diagnosed with aphantasia or ADHD and I Mm -hmm. came up with like, I think it was like 20 different exercises and I gave it to them all and it was like, try them out, let me know how it works. And what made it into the book was I think like three or four that worked Mm -hmm. across the board. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that there was a, you know, like a medical term for that. But I have had people who say, you know, I, I really can't see stuff. I really have a hard time with that. So that is really interesting. So, yeah, I thought that was really, really um, uh, a neat part of the book that I hadn't seen uh, before. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, some people think they can't visualize when they can. Um, and a lot of people struggle with it, not Everyone who says, I can't visualize, has aphantasia. Um, right. You know, visualization is a muscle that can be built. And psychic, which I have the exercises in that of, like, let's build those. Um, but right. for some people, you know, no amount of work is going to do it. Um, their brains mm-hmm. just don't work like that. Just like um, some people with extreme ADHD, it doesn't matter how hard they try to meditate if if they can't focus, they can't focus. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, that 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 is I mean that is interesting. So um so anyway, I just thought that was really really good and not something that I had really um thought about because being neurodivergent and that is becoming not a trend, but people are more open about it than they used to be. Do you know what I mean? It's less like, of a taboo. I have these yeah, I have these issues, and so I thought that was really, really um, great how you brought it up in the book. I also thought you did a really good job of um, 
something that, that I've tried to explain to people, but you did a much better job than me. And um, tell our listeners, you talk about prayers and spells. Yes. Um, I really like that. So, yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of blurriness between the two, and I try to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I see it and the way that I present it is I use a car as a metaphor. Um, Mm -hmm. and so for me, spells are, you're in the driver's seat, you're driving, you're, you're directing your car to your course. Whereas, um, a prayer is more like using an Uber, (laughs) you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting in, it's requesting where you want to go and just trusting that they know where you're, where to take you the best way to go. Um, which if you have an honest Uber driver, hopefully is the safest, fastest route. Um, and then, you know, a lot of spells kind of, and prayers kind of blur that when it comes to like folk mm-hmm. magic. Um, mm-hmm. Orion Foxwood has a concept he calls praying true. Um, and you also see this not just in folk magic, but like evangelical Christianity and stuff where mm-hmm. their prayers, you're like, no, that's, that's a spell. A you spell. Know? And sometimes yeah. it's even like, that's a curse that you just did, yeah. dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's all about um, the sovereignty of who is directing that request. And I don't think one is better or worse than the other. Um, I think it's just two different approaches. So, um, I see spells as acting, it's like, um, spells are like acting like the macrocosm to work on the microcosm to change the macrocosm, and prayers are the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. Prayers are coming from the microcosm, from a smaller vantage point, and petitioning the larger universe to help make change in your smaller universe. Um, I don't know if that just confuses it even more. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit more clear in my book. No, well, I thought you did a really good job. I, I wrote my notes here. You did um, basically similar topics, and it was a really good example. You did a prayer for blessings, and then you did a spell for reclaiming your power, which yes. were very similar, but it really highlighted what you meant by the, by the difference. Yes. Yeah. So in the prayer, you know, I'm, you're petitioning other spirits, other deities, things larger or different than you to, to help you achieve your goal. And then the spell is more of you stepping in that steering wheel, you taking the reins and declaring this is what is happening. This is what is occurring right now. Because um, mm-hmm. that's how I see spells. You know, it's the whole so mode it be thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, anytime I'm engaging in a spell or magic, it's pretty much my word is law. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's the mind frame I'm in. Whereas, you know, prayer it tends to be more of a, a, a request. Right. A calling. Yeah. I agree. So, well, tell, tell us what you think some of the misconceptions about spell casting is. Because I know you do a whole section in your book about understanding spell casting. Tell us about that. Um, the biggest misconception. Um, oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> one that I didn't touch on is um, 
I, I think the to be silent thing has been sort mm-hmm. of taken in a weird direction um, where some people are like, oh, you never talk about your spells. You never talk about anything you do, which I get. Um, that originates from uh, Ellis Levi and his right. whole, um, you know, uh, what's a PG term, his love <laughs> for mm-hmm. the idea that this is all like a secret, mysterious thing. Right. Um, but for me, um, you know, the to be silent is more about, you know, s- 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 being quiet within when you're doing mm-hmm. magic. So it's all about that focus and that clarity. But then on the external, it's like not talking about it while you're trying to manifest it. So it's like after your spell has manifested, talk about it, think about it. A- um, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think to talk about it, Yes, I don't, but I think afterwards, if you didn't, no one would ever be able to teach or everyone, no one would be able to learn anything. <laughs> right. right. So what worked, um, what didn't work, what you might do better. Um, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I, that's how I interpret it too. I totally agree with that. Exactly. And um, one of the things that I think spells and prayers have in common is that after they're performed, there's a sort of letting go. Um, I think Uh prayers let go at the very beginning, but at spell casting, Uh you know, once you're done with the spell, you let it go. And, um, you know, I, in my cosmology, it's moving through various planes of reality to reach the divine and come back into manifestation. And Uh when you're doubting it, when you're thinking about it, when you're talking about it, and then, you know, someone has a thought of like, oh, that's silly, or that's not going to work or something. You're essentially pulling that closer to you before it can fully go out and manifest. So for me, the to be silent, a big part of that is essentially just letting it go and and not obsessing over it, Um, which can be hard when it's for very, very important things, right? Like when you're testing spells for extremely important things, um, or for people who are neurodivergent and they have obsessive thoughts um, or obsessive thinking and what what I um, recommend doing for something like that is affirmations so doing affirmations that are related to the goal of your spell but aren't but isn't your spell so it's not not even an affirmation that my spell will work it's like if my spell is um, to get someone uh, to another location safely my affirmations would be related to them getting there safely. It wouldn't be, right. my spell is working, my spell is working, because you want to let that spell go. So right. that way you're still kind of feeding the energy in a positive way while allowing it to do its own sort of thing. Right. Um, and the other, start acting as if it uh, did, you know, that it is working. So, yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it, one of the it, things that I think that new thought really got right. Um, mm-hmm. it's just that they, <laughs> they then made that everything. And I think manifestation mm-hmm. is a lot more than just thinking positive thoughts or thinking as if something's think? here now, but it is yeah. a component, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, um, and you touch on this, I think, um, um, for me, magic is layers. I mean, you know, if I have to have a parking space right now, you know, there's things I can do. But, you right. know, correspondences and, and all that research for me just puts that energy into it and it makes it 
much stronger. And uh, it's almost like it's um, respectful because you're putting your own energy and time into it. And so, yeah, I think um, I agree with, I agree with, I agree with that. Yeah, the the way that I explain it in the book, and I'm talking about like magical timing as a correspondence, but still uh-huh. the same idea, um, still corresponds. I use the metaphor of bowling. <laughs> so if the pins are your 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 spell goal, right, and you want to get a strike, um, every time you tap into that correspondence, you tap into that magical timing. It's like putting a bigger and bigger bumper in the alley that uh-huh. you know. Is, is going to really help ensure that you get a strike or that you at least knock most of the pins down, um, which doesn't mean you can't get a strike without them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people can just pick up a random book, do a spell without reading anything else, and sometimes it does work, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes you just get lucky and it works. But if you can understand the mechanics of, you know, how spells work and, and how mm-hmm. to get that strike, you're going to have a lot more success doing that. Yes, I think so. I think so, too. So, um, and you talk about some things in the book. I, I liked your chapters, too, about approaching the mystery. Um, tell us about, you talk about um, the three cauldrons, um, I believe the three souls and the witch's tree. Talk to us about the three cauldrons, or the three souls. I've got it written down first. Okay. Um, well, they're connected. Um, yeah. So I can easily talk about both of them at once. Um, so in the majority of the witchcraft traditions I was uh, trained in, as well as mm-hmm. the cosmology of many elders that I didn't train under, but that I was friends with and sort of had an mm-hmm. unofficial kind of mentorship friendship, as happens mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, the soul is seen as three parts. Um, mm-hmm. There's the they're given different names in different witchcraft traditions, um, but essentially it boils down to a higher self, a middle self, and a lower self. Um, mm-hmm. So the middle self is more like uh, your mental self. Um, if it was psychology, it would be your ego, um, your mm-hmm. sense of who you are, your sense of time, your ability to think and rationalize. Your lower self is more like your animal self, because we're all animals, right? So mm-hmm. it's your physical body it's your emotional body. It's your reactive body. The um, higher self is that divine aspect of you. It's when we think of soul um, in our Western kind of Christian painted right. idea of things, that is the higher self. The higher self is, um, uh, is well, Victor Anderson, who is the founder of the fairy tradition. The fairy, in, yeah. Yes, in, in North America. He referred to the higher self as when you're saying a prayer to God, just God in general, that that's who you're speaking to. Um, and Aleister Crowley had sort of similar ideas with his holy mm-hmm. guardian angel, that it was mm-hmm. your personal God. Um, so mm-hmm. it's this idea that it's something that transcends our, our middle self sense of mm-hmm. what's going on um, and is essentially our divinity. Um, so we call those souls because we're recognizing the divinity of all three of those parts. You know, mm-hmm. our, our body isn't any less divine than our mind, and both of those mm-hmm. aren't any less divine as our higher self. So the three cauldron um, cosmology comes from um, an Irish poem, a bardic poem, 
called The Cauldron of Posey. And it describes mm-hmm. how every person has three cauldrons within them and how they do different things. Um, and a lot of witchcraft elders, I didn't come up with this. <laughs> um, it's not my stroke of genius. But a lot of witchcraft elders, and I think um, druids may also embrace this too. I'm not 100% because mm-hmm. I'm not one. Um, but they saw parallels between these aspects of the tripart soul and the cauldron. And so it's sort of like a focal point to be able to work with these concepts in sort of mm-hmm. an abstract way. Um, because, you know, we're witches and a lot of our language of magic is metaphor and is, you know, giving names to things and models to things to be able to move that energy. So that's essentially what the, the three cauldrons are. And then um, the, the world tree is essentially sort of a universal concept. And it's mm-hmm. usually divided into three parts. So an upper world, an underworld, and a middle world. Mm-hmm. Um, is that... <laughs> I can, I can yeah, no, it's funny. The first time I had heard that is I attended a festival with Chris Penzak. And um, uh, when he called the quarters, he called them in in um, the upper world, the middle world, and the lower world. And I hadn't hadn't really heard that and and uh and I I laughed. He called he called I felt like he was calling everybody in. And I have to tell you when he talked about the upper world, a bat came out and like flew around the circle. It was very eerie. So uh um so yeah, that's kind of the first time I had uh I had heard about that. Yeah. I so, know I mean all of you do uh exercise how to journey through the world tree, which was really good. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, all of these are essentially what I refer to as reality models or reality mm-hmm. maps. So they're ways for us to understand the territory that we're trying to work in as as witches, as pagans. Um, so um, uh, uh, the the very early occultists, and, and I'm saying early, like I mean like Victorian, pre-Victorian, right. um, they were very big on the concept of the inner plane. Um, and they, they even went as far as believing that there was like an inner plane priesthood. And so a lot of their work was about going inwards and journeying to different places um, of those inner planes to make contact mm-hmm. and to have mysteries, have experiences um, uh, on their own. So, um, you know, I feel like these are, these are the books um, you know, I'm trying to build somewhere. Um, one of the best things Christopher Penzak, always, um, Christopher Penzak said to me was, the book you want to write is always about three or five books away from the one that you're writing. So Isn't I'm that fun? People, I'm trying to take people on um, a step-by-step way, you know, to eventually get to that, those books that I want to, I really, really want to write, you know, but you can't just throw someone in the middle of the ocean and be like, all right, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, swim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and you, um, in your book, go over the Hermetic Principles. I do. And you do a great job with the principle of gender. Um, Thank you. Which is um, a very trendy, hot topic. And uh, you you just do a really good job about explaining um and that, like many of us, you don't really like the word masculine or feminine, but that's kind of what we've got. 
but you do a really good job of talking about this is, you know, gender is not the sex of something, and it's a bigger principle than that. Talk to us a little bit about that, because you did a really good job with that. Yeah, so um, uh, the Hermetic principles come from the Kybalion, which is reported to be ancient Hermetic wisdom, but we know it's probably not (laughs) um, a lot of it based in Hermeticism, but a lot of it draws on other traditions up Mm -hmm. until the point of the author or author's life. Um, So it it essentially is laying out how the universe works. So these are the main principles of how the universe works, and every principle is universal, like 100%. So it has a principle that it refers to as gender, and Mm -hmm. it says everything is either male or female. Um, but then in trying to explain it, the author kind of stumbles and is sort of like, but it doesn't really mean gender. (laughs) Um, so it's sort of like a phrase that has been left over from, you know, those old Victorian books and even before that, like alchemy and stuff. But what we need to remember is that this is all the language of symbolism and Mm -hmm. we have to not confuse the symbol for what it is symbolizing and gender is one Mm -hmm. of those um like the kaibalian talks about um magnetics and uh propulsion and atoms when trying to explain Mm -hmm. this and essentially what it is saying and this is a lot more true as a universal fact is that everything has a projective um and a receptive receptive. and eventually calls it right an electric and magnetic is sometimes the language that the books use. Um, But, I mean, if we're going to look at universal principles, that is absolutely true. Like, I can't look at a star and say what gender it is, you know. I can't, you you know. uh, It's like Scott Cunningham, um, who I adore, as as I already mentioned. Um, In one of his herbalism books, he does the correspondence, and he does male and female. And then in his next herbalism book, he uses hot and cold. And he he explains that he abandoned it because he felt it was based on sexist connotations. Because you can't mm-hmm. really, it's just, it's a really messy metaphor to use. And even messier now that our understanding of gender and sex is very different than it was right. 200 years ago. Right. So, yeah, I thought you did a really, really good, a really good job with, with that. Thank so you. If, if someone wanted to um, start spellcrafting um, and, you know, they've learned grounding and centering the visualization, what type – I tell people to start with candles, but what type of spellcrafting do you think is good for people to start with? Um, I mean – Anything simple, um, and by simple, I mean simple in procedure. Uh, just because something's simple doesn't mean it's not immensely powerful. And we know that right. from like folk witchery and you know uh, folk magic. Um, so one of the things I'm really big on is um, incorporating your magic into your daily life. So really tuning in and seeing how you can take something mundane, something you do all the time and turn it into magic. Um, And some people will say like, oh, it's all about intention. And intention, yes, it's about putting intention into it. But as I drive home in the book, I believe will 
willpower is a lot more mm-hmm. important than intention. Um, mm-hmm. Intention kind of aims, but will actually gets you there. Um, mm-hmm. So um, what's an example? Um, so when when making coffee, um, you mm-hmm. know, blessing the grounds um, and, you know, focusing, this is how I want to be today. This is how I want my mind to be. This is how I want my day to be. Um, and really kind of tapping into that sort of intuitive side of yourself. Um, I think that sort of stuff is the best for a beginner. After that, mm-hmm. I would say the basic candle magic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, usually chimes is what I recommend. Chimes or like glass candles, something right. that um, isn't too complex. You know, it's just one thing to focus on. Um, but, you know, I don't know if there's a universal one answer across the board because we're all so different as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And I'm very big on you know, finding what calls to you as an individual. I have met so many people, and actually I was like this in some areas, um, that may have read 10 candle magic books, but they've yet to touch a candle. So, uh, so yeah, I've gotten to where I, I get people to to do things, and, and in our classes we may actually have people dress candles and, and touch them, and, and sometimes I think people are so afraid to do something wrong that they don't think they can do it perfectly, they won't do it. Yeah. I, you know, um, I don't know if I, I, I think I did quote it in Mastering Magic, but one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to paraphrase it, is the Doreen Valiente quote about, you know, is magic dangerous? Is spellcrafting dangerous? And she's like, yes, of course it is, but so is crossing the street, but you won't get right. very far if you don't try. Absolutely. So, just, so, so you know, um, I think, I think it's all about recognizing um, if you are a beginner, um, and I think everyone should kind of have these cautions because sometimes I, I think we get a little bit cocky of what we think we can do, um, uh, but really, you know, focusing on if I were crossing the street, what sort of similar precautions would I take, you know? Right. Um, and that's why. In my book, I'm, I have a whole section devoted on, you know, what is the goal of your spell? And, like, let's, let's fine-tune that to be specific but not too specific. Because I think, I think that's where the – I don't want to say scary. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. But the, the hiccups in magic occur is mm-hmm. either when you're too specific or you're too vague of how you want something right. to come about. Right. If you're too specific, then you close the door to opportunities that you might have manifested. Um, exactly. And right, if you're you're too vague, the universe doesn't know what you want. <laughs> right. Right. So, well, you know, yeah. magic, magic like energy, it goes down the path of least resistance. So if mm-hmm. it's too too fine tuned of a a goal, too precise, you know, it's going to either take a long time if it manifests at all. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's too open, it's you're going to get it maybe not in the way that you wanted to. And I think that's where, you know, the old um, sort of idea in folk tales and um, fairy tales and legends of the whole idea of being careful what you wish for and how you word it kind of a thing comes from. Mm-hmm. 
So you have a, a section in your book with cleansing and protection and cleansing and purification. Uh, tell us the difference between those. Okay. Um, so cleansing and purification. Um, so, you know, I think the words in themselves, if you really look at them, kind of explain it. But I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't pay attention to the words. So cleansing is like cleansing. It's like it's like cleaning. And purification is making something pure. Um, right. So it, it's cleaning. different yeah. levels of of the cleanliness. So it's like... Um, we can think of cleansing as like washing your hands before you eat. And we can think mm-hmm. of purification as taking a bath. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of those as metaphors for, for the level of energy that you're working on. Um, and what was the other question? Oh, no, I just was going to say you do a really good job. Um, and you have a, a, quite a bit of your, um, um, a, a big chapter about, protection and different baths that you can do and in um, spells. Something I thought was very interesting, you have, um, I know Devin Hunter's in here, Kristen Zach, you have spell work and um, things by other people in your book, which is um, unusual and it was very nice. Tell me how that idea came to you, to include others besides yourself. Well, you know, I'm I'm always really big on supporting other people and mm-hmm. the idea of community because I believe this work is bigger than any one individual. Um, and I think we get sort of lost and stuck when that happens. Um, so I asked witches or magical practitioners that I respected um, on a high level to contribute something for the book um, because I – I also don't want people to get hung up on just how I do things or how I approach things because mm-hmm. these are all just my suggestions, the things that have worked for me. Um, so I wanted to, to see how other people went about uh, some of these things and share them with people so that they could get an idea of the different ways that magic can be used. So even even some of the language sometimes is a little bit different than terms I mm-hmm. would use. Um, but again, it's, it's people that I deeply respect and whose magic I trust um, because I'm very big on making sure that everything I put in a book works. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so for example, like if Christopher Penzak contributes something, I know it's going to work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was. I, it was just, it was just nice. And you're right. Um, they have a little bit different flavor than maybe you would. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, especially like um, uh, Jake Richards. Jake Richards is something that I would never come up with because he does the, like, Appalachian folk magic, you uh-huh. know, and his is all about, like, using a sock uh, and, like, creating, like, uh, like a sock amulet. Um, right, a which, which is yeah. brilliant, um, but it's not something I would have... You know, because that's not my tradition of magic. That's not my my flavor. So it was really cool to see what other people brought to the table. Yeah, and you um, talked about the um, the elements. Um, and it's funny, you. I remember I wrote myself a note that because I've seen people argue this, uh, the athame or athame in the wand is it air or fire? I thought that was really fun that you put that in there. 
because it is kind of uh, people uh, bicker on both sides about it. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> exactly. That's, exactly. You know, it's it's what's it mean to you? How are you using it? Yeah, and it, and it um, funny, and you know sometimes it is when you train or you work in one tradition, especially when you're new, you don't always realize that there are other ways out there. Um, I uh, started in a tradition, started a circle in the East, and so the first time I was at a thousand-person festival, they started in the North, and I'm like, bless their hearts, they're doing it wrong. But, uh, uh, you know, I had no, I mean, it was just funny that you uh, uh, you, you learn, and, and it's kind of a, it's kind of fun. And for me now, when I see someone do something different than me, because, you know, you may do something in your book, my practice may change because of something I've learned. I always want to know why. You know, why do you do that? Right. Tell me why. It's, and, and sometimes it's maybe something I had just never learned or I never thought of. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when we come into the craft, a lot of times we have um, things left over from mainstream religion that are like, we don't even realize we have. And one of those I think is the quote unquote correct way to do things. Um, as witches, as a cultist, I think we view reality a lot more fluid than that. And that's why I like yeah. the idea of reality maps, because for me, magic is energetic poetry. And so as long Ooh, as I, like I am conscious of what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. because essentially it's, it's, the, it's like a, a conversation between you and the universe, you and mm-hmm. the, the different planes of reality. Um, so, for example, like the invoking and banishing pentagrams, you know, I don't think that some entity from another plane came and was like, here's the exact code to get in. Mm-hmm. But we know it works because we right. have – we have decided it works. It's very much like divination, like tarot. Mm-hmm. We give a card a meaning, and now that we've established that meaning between us and the universe, we can now mm-hmm. use it to communicate. Absolutely. And if a million people think the same thing, then it becomes a thought form, and, and that's why I tell people um, what you think about something has energy, whether it's good or, or, or bad. So... Um, so, yeah, I think that's really, I agree with that. I think that's really interesting. So, well, Matt, you are an excellent author. What's next? Oh, um, I have, Are you I have, writing another book? Are you taking a break? I, I am. I am writing another book right now. I'm oh, Mum's so the fun. Word because I'm manifesting. Um, I just wrote a, a foreword for Scott Cunningham's sister's book, um, oh. She is writing a book that is a memoir of his life from that oh, sort of that's life. really nice. Yeah, and so she asked me to do the foreword, and that was a huge honor. Um, oh, yeah. So, so you know, it's 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 just kind of mind blowing because Silver Ravenwolf wrote the foreword to this book, and they already explained how big she was to me. But now I get the mm-hmm. honor of as close as I can get to Scott Cunningham. You know. Um, so, so that's really cool. It was a huge honor. So I have that. I have um, a friend of mine uh, just did a Kickstarter. It's over now, but 
Um, it's for the Samir Tarot. Um, it's a follow-up to his True Black Tarot, and I'm writing the booklet for that. And yeah, I mean, I just, I constantly have projects and ideas. I'm mostly Pisces and Sagittarius. Like, my whole chart is pretty much all Pisces and Sagittarius. So mm-hmm. I'm very, like, ADHD when it comes to projects and ideas. But I am working on yeah. stuff. And it's funny. I find people who are creative are very different. Like, are you someone who writes when inspiration hits you? Or are you disciplined and you write, like, 10 to 2 every day? Or, or how does your process work? Um, both. <laughs> so the best writing comes out of me when that inspiration hits. Um, mm-hmm. But I try to also have that discipline of at least semi-regularly forcing myself to sit down and just write and see what comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then trying to to marry the two. But I'm definitely more on the side of, like, being on fire and, you know, having to do the thing in the moment um, than, mm-hmm. you know, trying to – I can discipline myself in, like, almost every other area of life until it comes to sitting down in front of that keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I think that – again, I think that's interesting. I have talked with people, and especially musicians, who, you know, say, you know, things come in the middle of the night, they write a notebook, and I have other people that say, you know, every, you know, I make myself, like you say, you know, 10 hours a week, I do this, and I have exercise to make myself um, do that. Because creative people always, discipline is not something that comes naturally to a lot of creative people, and so it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a different process. So, yeah. Um, well, you are a very um, a very good author, and I was really excited to read this Thank book. You. And so I look forward to your to your uh, next one. So have you been pleased with the reception of your book? Have I? I'm sorry, what? Been pleased with the reception of your book? I mean, have uh, it yeah. just it just came out? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's being received really well. Some. Some people are saying they like it as much as Psychic Witch or they like it even a little bit more than Psychic Witch. Um, it's on its – last I checked a couple weeks ago, it's already on its third printing. Um, That's fabulous. Congratulations, yeah. man. That's really nice. Yeah, and the translation rights for like seven languages have been bought, something like that. Um, oh, so it, it's on the track. It's on the same track as Psychic Witch, which is really – you know, uh, awesome. Um, I'm very pleased, very kind of in awe of it and very grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only negative feedback I saw was um, a one-star that was a one-star review that was really upset about my, how I presented the principle of gender, you know, but. Oh, you're so funny. That's what I really like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was just kind of like, well, you know, I wouldn't want this person endorsing my book so you know yeah and, um, and, again, and not everything's kind for of everyone a hot topic. right that's kind of a hot topic but that, that's why I really really like uh, it's funny because I brought up that's something I really liked how you did that that's interesting what's funny um something um an exercise in your book that I'm going to be doing is I really like the right of soul inspiration in the muses I really really like that thank you and uh um I had not seen that before, so I will be doing that. I really, really, I really like that. So I encourage the readers when they buy your book to 
to look at that and to to look at that. What was your inspiration besides behind that? <laughs> the muses. <laughs> I was going to say you haven't seen it because the muses didn't gift it to anyone before before mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah, that was totally birthed and just from me working with Nemesine, who is the mother mm-hmm. of the muses, and then the muses for inspiration. Um, and then they inspired me to write that ritual. So I started using that ritual um, as a formal manner to receive inspiration on projects and different aspects of my craft in my life. That's exactly how I was going to use it. I'm going to be starting a big project, and that's exactly where I thought, oh, that is really, really, I had not seen it done, so that's what, that's what I was planning on doing. So see? So, <laughs> awesome. Well, and good, again, good luck with that. Yeah, and your book is really good. Like I said, your book gives not only um, spell words um, and spells and, you know, prayers, but your book, you also have a lot of exercises and activities that people can do so they can um, take what you write and they immediately can put it into use. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm very, um, like I said, I'm very big on the the hands-on, like let's let's experience this, let's do it, let's not just make it mm-hmm. kind of mental masturbation, but like an mm-hmm. actual practice, an actual thing. Um, I'm also very big on trying to present things in a beginner-friendly manner that isn't condescending to to the reader, but still has mm-hmm. enough meat for people who have been in the craft their whole life. Um, you know, I, right. for both books, I get constant feedback of like, I've been doing this for 40, 50 years, and I had no idea about this, you know. So right. that's always super cool. Right. But, you know, it's, it's that balancing act of trying to be like, let's keep this beginner friendly, but also, you know, have, have depth to it. <laughs> right, and I'm also a long-term practitioner. I'm old as dirt, but um, and some things when you read them, and I read your book, it wasn't that I learned something new, but it refreshed. It reminded me of of things um, that you know, and so I think that's also a really good a good practice. Again, I like to look at books like what you say, beginner's eye, and then just um, you know, I say look to them and. And like the hermetic principles and and you know um, the different exercises you had in your book, I just thought that was really, really good. And I'm so excited for you that it's doing so well. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm extremely grateful. Um, you know, I, I thought I, I was so worried about this one because the first one did so well, and everyone mm-hmm. kept asking me like, "How are you going to follow this up?" And it's like, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> like you're just making the pressure worse. So I, I I was actually very surprised when people were praising it so highly. Yeah, um, and know. again, I think, um, like you said, I think um, long-time practitioners like it, but again, I like the idea that you give information and then you give exercises um, helps people to, um, you know, to under to understand what you're exactly saying. Um, and it has a few pictures in there that, like, you talk about um, the difference between, is it grounding and anchoring? I remember. Um, grounding because, and centering? Um, uh, yeah, anchoring, grounding, yes. And you talk about that divisionally, thinking about having an anchor. And so, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, um, 
Go ahead. Oh, oh no, I was just saying yes. <laughs> so, well, I'm excited for this book, and I'm excited. I can't wait to – you'll have to come back on. I can see what your next book holds for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I um, also wrote about Selena Fox in the book. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Um, cause I know this story. Is I know I was going to call and tell her that. It's really funny. <laughs> You were, um, yeah, yeah. she was my she mentor. Knows, right? I'm yeah. ordained, and she was my mentor. And, and she can be quite intimidating at first, and she doesn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I actually I emailed it to her before I published it, cause just mm-hmm. to be like, hey, can I share this? <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like, is this okay? And, of course, she was okay with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, she's, tell our listeners, she's, it's a cute story. Yeah, she's weirdly intimidating in the most unintimidating mm-hmm. way. Um, and I think it's more about like who she is and her aura right. than, right. you know, any way right. that she acts. It's, right. And it's what she, you, if you know her, you know what she's brought to our faith. And that in itself is just intimidating yes. how much she's done for us. Yes. I mean, she's, she's essentially like, I grew up reading magazines, like with pictures of mm-hmm. her and like news articles with pictures of her mm-hmm. and like what she's doing for all of us. So, you know, out of all the, the pagan elders, I've had the, the privilege of mm-hmm. meeting, um, uh, bumping into her in an elevator at Pantheacon years ago was, I, I, it was, I, it was like a holy shit moment. Like, you know, like, I, that know, stuff I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I, I just, right when I was like going to introduce myself, you know, she got off the elevator and it, it took that long for me to build up the courage to That's be so like, fun. Hey, yeah. 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 Well, and then she uh, is so wonderful. She she is like the sweetest person I've ever met. Yeah. Like she is yeah. truly a joy. Um yeah. which is. is like I even in the book it's funny because like you know she's the most unintimidating person as a person. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like just because she is Selena Fox is what makes mm-hmm. her you know intimidating. Absolutely. And she is someone who lived her faith. So, yeah. yeah, she's always been an inspiration to me. And, and again, I'm ordained at Circle Sanctuary. And so, yeah, I, she was my mentor. And, yeah, she, she uh, changed my life in many ways. So, yes, I, I agree. It's been really, really fun to, to, uh, to know. And we've been lucky. We have quite a few elders in our path. who. Uh, that's why I keep telling her she needs to write a book. All these elders need to to put their thoughts and their experiences down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Selena has contributed um, is almost incomparable. Absolutely. Uh, and for so long, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, Circle Sanctuaries. Yeah. I mean, you know, she had her first festival. She's like one of the first festivals. It was like what in 79 or 80. I mean, yeah, she's just, She's just right. um, again. Her and Dennis are wonderful. So, so I'll have to tease her. I was talking to her last night. I should have thought about. That. I wish I had thought about that because I thought I, I smiled when I read that in your book. It was so fun. Well, <laughs> well, well. Our time is almost at a close. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us on Circle Talk about your new book, Mastering Magic. I'm very excited for it, and I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to go out and get a copy. It's really good, Matt. Thank you so much. It's uh, been a pleasure to be on and chat with you. And besides Matt, I'd like to thank Steve, 
our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast or CSNT. Our next show is December 6th, and we'll be talking with Lisa McSerry about her new book, A Witch's Guide to Crafting Your Practice. I look forward to being with you all again, so please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. And thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connected to the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.